0: This is episode 136 of the Empowered Team Podcast. Welcome to the Empowered Team Podcast, where we explore how to optimize your performance in career, sport, and life. And now your host, Vitality and Peak Performance Coach, Kari Schneider. Hello, amazing humans. Today's podcast is sleep for Achievers. So this is a really specific podcast because I think it affects so many of us and it has affected me massively over my lifetime. And so I've done a lot of research and digging into sleep and I've also created a lot of habits. So I'm going to try and really funnel this down into usable bites for achievers who really want their best sleep. So let's take a look at that to start with. The why. That's what we'll start with. We'll go into drawbacks of not enough sleep. We'll go into benefits of good sleep or great sleep. We'll go into a little bit of the tech and some other content you can get into and I'll go through my sleep hygiene routine. That's what we've got queued up for you. So first of all, why? Why do we really want sleep as achievers? And when I look at this, it's not that we want sleep. We don't want to go into a coma for hours on end. We actually want the byproduct of amazing sleep, that byproduct of energy and health and clarity and focus and incredible decision-making And there's so many amazing other byproducts from sleep that many of us don't know about. Things like preventing Alzheimer's because of the cleanup process that happens in the brain when we're sleeping, or deeper learning, being able to take the information that we drew during the day or we were trying to assimilate but couldn't quite do it, our brain cleans it up and gets rid of the faulty connections and creates the connections while we're sleeping. It's an incredible, incredible process. So all of this is happening while we sleep. And as achievers, I know for myself, sometimes I just didn't want to sleep because I think I, there's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough hours in the day. There's so much that I want to do. There's so much that I have to do. So that in and of itself would make me not want to sleep because I want to get more done. And I think that's the case for most of my clients because they have this hard driving mentality and this achiever mentality. So what we want to do today is take a look at the bigger topic because we know we want sleep. We know it's good for us, but I'll give you some of the information behind it and also some of the tactics that really work for people like me and you who want to do a lot and don't always want to take the time that's necessary for getting a great sleep. So here we go. Besides the byproducts that I've already spoken of, the energy, the health, the decision making, all of those things, there's so much more to it. Even for men who don't sleep enough They'll find they'll have drops in testosterone. Someone they'll have enough of a drop in testosterone, it'll be as though they've aged by ten years in terms of their testosterone levels. Our cardiovascular system is benefited through deep sleep. There are all kinds of motor learning and and uh, neuroplasticity that that new connections of neurons that happens while we're sleeping, and it happens twenty times faster at night while we're sleeping than it does during the day. We increase our motor sequences, our memory, and the actual deep learning that occurs when we, when we learn something and we want it to really stick. When it comes to athletes, there's a linear relationship between sleep and injury risk. The less sleep that someone has as an athlete, the greater their risk is for injury. There's so many things that contribute to a lack of sleep, including screen time and our mind continually running. But before we go into that, I want to give you a sense of the environment that I've put myself in right now. And this is something that this is a place that I come to regularly. However, I'm not here for very long usually in a given year. I'm in a place that's way up north in Northwestern Ontario and I'm in a cottage. And if you can imagine going to bed in a room, in a cottage that has cedar plank walls, all the walls are cedar plank walls. And there's two windows in this small room that I sleep in and a really cozy big bed that has amazing, a uh, comforter and sheets and just really if the firmness of the mattress is good the the sheets are great it's not too soft not too hard and if I were to look out one of the windows all I can see are pine trees and cedar trees or blue sky and at night when it's time to sleep there is a real darkness because there are no other lights outside. So the darkness, if there's any light out there, it's simply from the stars or from the moon. And if I were to crack a window, what I would hear are crickets and possibly even a loon in the distance. And that is what I've been falling asleep to for the last week. And it's a completely different experience than falling asleep in the city. And for someone who's unfamiliar with this kind of environment, it's a completely different experience for someone who's accustomed to more city noises or sounds or that kind of thing. And that brings me to our disruption of sleep if we're in a new environment. Environment is so critical. When we're in a new environment, half of our brain will not sleep as deeply as normal because there's this constant awareness for our own safety, almost like a primal awareness to make sure that we're safe. So any of those nights where you might go to a hotel room and you think you're having a wonderful sleep, usually that wonderful sleep would happen on night two or three or four at a hotel room, but not necessarily night one. I think of my journey coming to this spot, this incredible place way up north, and there was a lot of packing and a fair bit of, a fair bit of organizing and logistics that had to happen before a 21 hour drive. So not only was all of this happening prior to leaving, so there, the sleeps were less than, than par, But then on the trip, there was a hotel room sleep where I'm alone and it's a new environment and I've been driving for 12 hours the first day and then going on to another drive the next day. And all of that, if I look at my sleep data, because I love to have the tech, then if I look at the sleep data, I end up seeing that I've slept poorly for at least four nights in a row. Now, because I know all of the drawbacks of that, it means that I'm not going to be as productive or energetic or, um, or making decisions as readily. I'm also not going to have the ability to learn the way I'd like to. And as an achiever, those are big drawbacks. So I'm always going to do whatever I can to guard my sleep, to really have a boundary around my sleep before I go to bed. So before we go into what that looks like, Let's take a look at a few more of the drawbacks and a few more of the things that come from not sleeping enough. Men, again, will have the testosterone drop to someone who's 10 years older than them. If we don't get the deep sleep, which also has, there's deep sleep and there's REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. If we don't get those deep sleep cycles or the REM cycles, that's when we don't get those opportunities to make those neuroplasticity connections. The REM sleep is critical to be able to have the brain recover and also have the body recover, but also get rid of a lot of the waste product that comes from using your brain all day long. It's like a buildup of cells and almost like a sewage system but sleep is the filtering system that needs to happen to get all of that gunk out from everything we do all day. So during that REM sleep, our brain actually paralyzes our body so we can also dream. And this is part of all of the processes that happen. And I notice by looking at my tech, whether or not i've had the deep sleep whether or not i've had the the rem sleep and what that is looking like from night to night and you don't need tech to see that you can feel it you can feel it the next day and get a sense for what's going on screen time delays the release of melatonin which is one of those amazing chemicals in our body that helps us to fall asleep and we only have one place in our body to release melatonin so if we've messed it up we don't have a backup plan for our melatonin and it's released 50% less if we have screen time up to three hours in the day or also before our bedtime. So those are some of the things that are critical for us to be aware of before sleep. Now some of you might be looking at um, screen glasses or blue light glasses so that you're not having some of the effects of the screen. I'll go into that in a moment as well. The other thing that you may be considering is driving, working, interacting with others. Sleepiness while driving kills more people than drug and alcohol consumption combined. Sleepiness, that's all, just sleepiness alone is one of the biggest killers for driving. There's a place in Wyoming that moved the high school start time from 7.35 a.m. to 8.55 a.m. Now, just a side note here, high school students, when kids are in that age, those teenage years, they need a little more nighttime sleep, later nighttime sleep. Their circadian rhythm is on slightly different circadian rhythm than most of the rest of humanity. Most of us want to get up some time, our circadian rhythm is somewhere around the light and dark cycles of the day. Teenagers are a little different in that they want to go to bed a little later, not just that they want to, their body wants to, their circadian rhythm wants to, and yet we force them usually to an early, early start time of the school, which is somewhere around that 7 to 8 a.m. mark. So this place in Wyoming moved the high school start time from 7.35 a.m. to 8.55 a.m., And they experienced a 70% drop in car accidents the following year. That's mind-blowing. 70% drop in car accidents. Not just the high school student car accidents, but people's car accidents. And then in Edina, Minnesota, they shifted the start time from 7.25 in the morning to 8.30 in the morning and saw an increase in SAT scores of 212 points. That's a massive difference. We look at daylight savings change, we lose an hour and we have a 24% increase in heart attacks. When we gain an hour, we have a 21% increase. Just messing with our circadian rhythm, what we would normally do day in and day out, just that subtle shift, which isn't so subtle, a whole hour in our sleep, just that shift has a massive impact on outcomes that are happening around us. So these are just some small examples. Another one I want to give you is that there are little things that we can do that will make a big difference in being able to go into our circadian rhythm. And that has to do with morning, natural morning light and natural evening light. And I go into this in a Sleep mini course that I'm creating, and it's a free mini course that I'm creating so that people have the opportunity to get better sleep. It's so something that I'm so passionate about because it's affected my life so much. So, I'm going to go into those as well. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the tech. The tech is something that we we tend to grasp onto, especially if you come from a sport background or a performance background or an achiever and you like metrics, you like data, and I'm one of those people. I've done research in heart rate variability. And when it comes to all these little nuggets that I'm giving you, some of this comes from a researcher who's out of the University of California, Berkeley. And some of it comes from, and this scientist is a neuroscientist and psychologist, scientist, psychology scientist out of California, Berkeley. And some of it comes from heart rate variability research. And just a variety of accumulation of research that I've done over the years for this topic, for my clients and for myself. So when we go into the tech, there's some specific tech that I've used. The tech I've used the most, and currently I'm using Aura Ring. That's Aura, O U R A Ring, and that's a ring you wear on the finger, and it's it uh, has sensors in it, and it. Takes a look at your heart rate, your respiratory rate, your heart rate variability, your sleep cycles, your activity, your step count, those types of things. And then the Garmin, which I use for GPS, I use for running, but it also picks up heart rate data and sleep data. And I've also used a lot of Polar and I've researched with Polar heart rate monitors for a number of years. Now there are other products out there like Whoop um, and There's a few more, there's a Suunto watch, there's a number that are picking up a lot of metrics, and some of them pick up sleep. But by far so far on the Polar, the Garmin, the Aura, right now the Aura ring is most comprehensive for sleep i wouldn't necessarily rely on the aura ring for my use for my running or all of my training. I would like something like a garmin or a polar for that, but the aura ring has by far been the best information for sleep data and when I say that, it goes into not only heart rate variability and heart rate and the amount of sleep but it also goes into your sleep deep sleep zones. it makes suggestion on your day readiness it goes into your um, REM sleep zones and other things like sleep latency. Sleep latency is the amount of time it takes to fall asleep and there's an ideal time for that. So for instance, if you're falling asleep within three minutes, then that's a really low time you've fallen asleep really fast and it's usually research shows that that's an indication that you're not getting enough sleep especially if you're on shift work or you've been burning the candle at both ends and working really hard and you drop into bed and fall asleep really fast we often think as achievers that that's a good thing oh I got to sleep right away that's awesome but it often means it's often one of the signs that we're starting to just overdo it we're starting to push it a little too much so this sleep ring feedback I'll get feedback on my app noting that I've fallen asleep really fast and that that might be a problem for my overall readiness and it'll look at a number other metrics to accumulate the information to see if it is a problem. Another one is called sleep inertia and this aura ring doesn't measure that but you would know what that feels like immediately when you wake up Because when you wake up and feel really groggy, then you've got this sleep inertia, you're feeling like you're still kind of dragging out of sleep instead of waking up feeling refreshed. That in and of itself with no watches or rings or heart rate monitor, just the feeling of waking up feeling fully rested is one of your biggest indicators to know that you're getting a high quality sleep. There's a few things you can do without all the tech to know that you are getting a really good sleep. It happens to be around your energy, your focus, your clarity, that lack of sleep inertia where you're not feeling so groggy when you wake up and like you're dragging coming out of sleep. Another one is if you have a little rest time right after lunch during the day, if you find that you're likely to fall asleep right away, you're probably not getting enough sleep at night. And the research is clear that enough sleep at night looks like somewhere between seven to nine hours of sleep. That's where that average of eight hours comes from. So if you're not getting between seven to nine hours of sleep, chances are, unless you're in that tiny, tiny percentile, there's a few anomalies out there, chances are you're not getting enough sleep or you're getting too much if you're not within that seven to nine hours. So Taking a look at this this thing like Aura rings or Garmin watches, the tech is fantastic to give feedback if you are unaware of what's going on. For someone like me, I am aware of what time I'm going to bed and what's going on, but I like more detail. I like to see the metrics and how it works with my training so I really can fine tune my training and be as effective and efficient as possible. I don't put a lot of volume into my training because there's so much that I do in a day. So I want my training to be very effective with a short amount of time devoted to my training. So that means that I have to play uh, or pay very close attention to my intensities and make sure that I'm not pushing the intensity too hard. So that's one of the reasons why I use tech in order to help monitor what's going on with my sleep. So there's another part of it and this happens to be you know you may wear a, a watch like a Garmin and it's kind of a pain in the butt to wear something like that at night but the chest strap monitor for heart rate is one of the most accurate ways to feed the the full spectrum of not only the heart rate, but the heart rate variability. There is some predictive qualities that are going on when you're wearing something just on your wrist. It doesn't pick up as much information as say the ring or a chest strap around your chest. However, for a lot of people, they just don't find that it's comfortable to go to sleep with something around their wrist, or they're not comfortable going to sleep with something around their chest. But the tech has gotten so much better that it's still giving you a relatively decent feedback with the wrist wearable, but they're not as accurate as something that's around your chest or around your finger. So the finger, when it comes to something like the Aura Ring, I find it's the most comfortable to sleep with. I don't need to um, feel like it's in the way or it's compromising my sleep at all. It's very comfortable for me. Uh, The only thing is, is when it comes to training and lifting, sometimes it gets in the way of lifting. And I want to see some of my training data along with my sleep data. So that's why I like to wear something like that, that wearable during training as well. So those are some of the the tech items that can give you feedback. But what I want to emphasize the most is that it is you and your body that knows the best. If there's one thing that I would emphasize, it's that sometimes the tech gives me feedback that says my readiness score is pretty high and it's looking good to dive into something else but I know myself and I know my body that I'm probably maybe not as ready as the app or the tech is telling me I am. And that is where listening to your body is the biggest gift you can have. And that's why I'm giving you some of those nuggets about sleep latency, like the time it takes to fall asleep. If you fall asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow, chances are you're running it a little too hard and you may not be getting enough sleep or the sleep inertia when you feel like you're dragging when you wake up and you'd actually want to sleep another hour that's another sign that again you're probably overdoing it or you find you're nodding off right after lunch again you're probably not getting enough sleep so this is where we go into some of the the ways that you can get more sleep because oftentimes what I find with myself and with the clients I work with being achievers, wanting to do so much, having so much on the plate and having a very very active mind, then we find ourselves in scenarios where we're sometimes doing the things that impairs a good sleep and we think we're getting more done but the problem is is that we might be taking actions that are causing a problem for our sleep and we don't even realize it and then we think we're getting more done but when we're under, when we're over fatigued or underslept, then we find that we're actually not getting anything done as well as we'd like to in the subsequent days. So what does that look like? Well, I've created a mini course and this mini course is free. It's not something that uh, I'm selling or anything like that. And I have no affiliation with or a Ring. I have no affiliation with Garmin. I've used them for years. I did do research with Polar, but I wasn't paid for that research. So what I want to show you is what would happen in this mini course if you do end up taking it. There's three main areas that I go to in it, and it's all about choosing some of the sleep hygiene habits. These can be vitality habits. That's what we work with with the Empowered, but choosing your sleep hygiene habits that are missing and only starting with one or two of them, because if we try and implement too much right off the hop, then that's usually where we fail. And this is what I find with all of the sleep research and the tips and the researchers. They tell all the stats, but they don't tell some of the key things to do in order to get the sleep. They give some of the really big ones that most of us know, but there's some other, other more subtle ones that I think make a big difference. And so I've noted them in the sleep course, and it's uh, there's 12 of them that I think will be the most pertinent for people. So we go through picking a sleep hygiene habit or two that would really make a difference for you. Then we go into anticipating, planning for what you know is gonna hold your sleep back, what has typically stopped you from doing your actual routine that you've planned out. Because the first thing you've done in this little mini sleep course is planned out your routine, chosen your sleep habits, and then anticipate where the problems are gonna be. And we go through step-by-step on how to do that. And the last step in this mini course is the most important one that I've never seen covered anywhere else and it's an, it's a key step called allowing. And it's where we actually start to manage our own minds because that is what I find is missing with all of the sleep hygiene habits that I've ever seen. They're not addressing the monkey mind or the really highly active mind where it's our mind that's keeping us from sleep either in the middle of the night or falling asleep that's one of the key things that i find for myself and my clients having really go-getter mentalities that tends to hold us back sometimes when we want to be sleeping and uh and resting but we're actually busy working in our heads and doing all the things in our mind because we think we can solve everything while we're awake so that mini course i think is going to be something that's really pertinent for you or maybe someone that you know who's highly has a highly active mind at night, or they're not doing some of the sleep hygiene habits that maybe they need to. So I'm going to go through just five of my personal sleep hygiene rituals, so that you can get an insight into some of the things that have made a big difference for me, because I've been that person who I've had a hard time falling asleep. I've been the person who has woken up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep with a super active mind. I've been so exhausted because I'll go so many nights in a row with not getting the deep sleep and I know it because I feel it physically and mentally during the days but I also have the data to show that because I can see it on my Garmin app or my Aura app or when I'm not getting the deep or the REM sleep. And that really leaves me foggy and short and struggling if I'm not getting that deeper rest that's needed to clean the brain up. So I'm going to give you some of my steps that make a huge difference for me that even shifting one of them will make a difference on my sleep. I've been kind of scientific and anal about monitoring these things and it doesn't mean it's that way for you or you need to get that stringent like I am about it but What it does mean is I want you to be able to learn from the lessons I've learned from my own experiences, from science, from the tech that I use, and also from all the clients that I've worked with. So number one for me has to do with the category of food. And what I do before I go to sleep is at least around two hours before I intend to be sleeping, I'll have a light snack. And that light snack is going to consist of something that's carbohydrate because at that time of day, that's typically what my body wants and needs a little bit of because I train first thing in the morning and I train on an empty stomach. So when I've had a light carbohydrate type snack before I go to sleep at night, then I'm I'm not only the carbohydrate snack helps sleep for most people. But also, I'm ready and fueled for what I need first thing in the morning. Now, if you're someone who's trying to lose a lot of fat, this may not be the choice for you. But if you are someone who um, who uh, knows you need the fuel and knows you had a light dinner, then it may be the choice for you. So I want to qualify this by saying that if I'm having a light snack, if I intend to go to bed by 10 30 and I've had a light snack somewhere around eight or eight thirty. That's happening because I've had a really light dinner around five thirty. So that's how the the food goes working backwards from wanting to be asleep by 10 or 1030. I'm snacking around eight or eight thirty. I've eaten dinner around five or five thirty. That's my routine and that doesn't work for everyone But I might have been traveling or maybe my husband and I went for a dinner out. If that was the case, I probably wouldn't have a snack at all because my dinner would have been slightly later and often heavier or with more calories. So I wouldn't want or need that snack. In fact, if I'd had anything any later after a bigger dinner, it would impair my sleep. So you don't want to be eating a large meal too close to bedtime But if you have digested your dinner food, then a snack is appropriate for bed. So for me, it's a light carbohydrate type snack. For me, it's usually um, homemade granola with a little bit of oat milk or goat milk or something like that. That's number one, that's the food. Number two is the timing. And this is start getting ready for bed an hour before I plan to sleep. So the timing is critical for me in that If I think that I'm going to buy myself some time by staying up doing other things like work or conversing with people a little bit later before my pre-bedtime, my pre-bedtime routine, it never serves me because I end up not falling asleep until later anyway. So what I mean by that is that if I start getting ready for bed at 9 to get to bed for 10... But instead, I know I have that hour in there and I want to work a little bit longer and instead start to get ready for bed at 9.30 or, um, or 9.45 just to have more time to do some of the things. It always costs me because I end up seeing on my data and knowing as well as I'm aware of that I haven't fallen asleep when I wanted to or it's affected the beginning half of my night of sleep in quality. So make sure you're getting for re- ready for bed an hour before you plan to sleep. And it's a real quiet time overall. For me, that looks like brushing teeth. It looks like setting clothes out for bed. It looks like just doing the last maybe bit of tidy or prep but not active brain work. I'm not thinking, I'm not deciding, I'm not planning. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not getting into conversations that are stimulating. None of that is happening. So the timing is about an hour before bed when I'm actually getting ready for bed. And then the environment is number three. The environment, we know this, is cool, dark, white noise. All of those things can be very good for sleep and I utilize all of those. I like the bedroom to be cool. I like to have a comfortable bed. If I'm traveling and I don't know what temperature things are going to be when I travel, I always make sure I travel with warm socks or layers to sleep in so that I know that I can be cool or warm as I need it. And... With that environment, I also want a little bit of white noise. Not everybody wants or needs white noise, but for me, I like a diffuser going. And in that environment, in that diffuser, I put essential oils that are shown in research to calm, soothe, or help with sleep. So I'll usually use oils like lavender or cedarwood or frankincense, and those will help my sleep environment as well. Now, if I'm traveling, that's the real test is whether I can stick with my routine while I'm traveling. So number four is screens. This one's so important. We do not want uh, screens of any sort, iPad, iPhone, iPhone you know, whatever phone, computer screen, TV screen, we want all of those shut down. And I do that at least an hour before bed, make sure the screens are shut down. And of course, there's the odd time where I've looked at my phone or looked at the weather or done a couple of things last minute message that I forgot. But that always bites me back. And so my husband is quick to point out, no, you know, you don't want the phone right now because he knows that I operate best if I have put all screens away at least an hour before, before going to bed. And further to that, it's not just the screens, but it's making sure that I've stopped work, any sort of engaging, stimulating work for at least two hours prior to me going to bed. Otherwise, I'll be bringing that work with me into my bed, in with my brain, and it won't stop. So I need to train my brain to unwind and stop the work. And that's number four, that stimuli. It's making sure that stimuli isn't there. And in doing so, when the screens are shut off, I will make sure that I have a book to read or I'm just unwinding in just calming ways. And that's how I'm leading into that sleep time. And number five is meditate. So for me, it could be a form of yoga nidra, so body awareness or muscle relaxation. It could be a sleep meditation that's for as little as five minutes, as much as 20 minutes. Even the Aura technology and app has bedtime stories or meditations or just soothing sounds to fall asleep to. All of these are fantastic. Some people use just little um uh it's a uh what's it called? ASMR, I think it's called, uh, the tapping or the the light noises or whispering. Some people respond really well to that. Any of those are fantastic, and I find them especially useful for the overachievers because oftentimes we have so much going on in our brains. We want to be replaying what went on the day rehearsing what's going to happen for the next day our minds are very active there might be ideas or thinking of, of problem solving at the same time and that that habit that want to continue to work through those things actually impairs the ability to problem solve or get what we want from our brain because we aren't sleeping as well So that's where things like the meditation or guiding our brain in a different way is very helpful to unwind the brain. And this is the area in the sleep mini course that is the part that I haven't seen anyone go into before. I've included techniques for us to really guide the brain, either allowing emotions or redirecting thoughts, something that can really help when our brain seems to be doing whatever it wants and is not cooperating when we want to start to shut things down. So these little sleep hygiene rituals of mine, the number one, the food timing, number two, the timing, number three, the environment, number four, the stimuli, including any work time but getting rid of any screen time, and number five, some sort of meditation or guidance to the brain those things work really well for me. And I know that I'm if I'm in compromised environments, so maybe I'm in staying in someone else's home or I'm in a hotel or I've been under some sort of unusual extra stress that I wasn't anticipating in my life, then those five categories, those five steps for my sleep r- r- ritual are critical for me to get the most out of my sleep. If they're not there, I'm usually succumbing to whatever the stress is or whatever the unusual environment is and it's really messing with my sleep. And I know as an achiever, as someone who likes to produce and likes to do all the things, that I want the sleep to be the best it can be because there is nothing, nothing in the world like waking up in the morning, feeling refreshed, feeling energetic... And feeling like you recovered from anything that you had prior. And that feeling is what we're after. That's why you listen to this podcast. It's not because you want sleep. It's not sleep that we're after. It's the feeling that we get when we have incredible sleep. So I hope this gives you a few nuggets to work with. I know there are some people out there who have sleep apnea perhaps, or maybe some hormonal disruptions. Make sure you're seeking some medical advice around very specific things like that. But the information that I've given you today should go a long way, and if you want more, know that there will be a sleep mini course available to you. I should be putting it out on our on our emails and our social media platforms. And if you don't see it, then email us at info@empowerconditioning.com at to have access to the sleep information because it's such a valuable valuable thing for our health, our production, our life and who we really want to be in this world. So have a beautiful rest of your day. You are amazing humans, and I hope you have a wonderful, deep, beautiful sleep tonight. If you enjoy listening to the Empowered Team podcast, you'll love being on the team. The Empowered Team runs year-round. It is our group coaching and accountability program where we take mindset and physical performance concepts and break them down to usable action steps that optimize results. To join, email us at info at empowerconditioning.com with subject line team. That's info at empowerconditioning.com. We can't wait for you to be on the team.